Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to the kitchen table. I am so glad y'all are here with me. We have been walking through the lies of motherhood, the lies that we believe. I don't know if you've found one yet that you believe or that if you're more like me and you're like, Bethany, I think I believe them all. But this week we are tackling the lie that says, I think I'm missing out or I think I'm falling behind or if things could only be the way they used to be. And what I talked about last week and in essence, is this is that lie that says I'm discontent. And um, I shared a little bit last week about me learning to find my contentment in him and in relationship with him. And this week, I'm so excited because I have with me two of the most wonderful women in my life. They are two of my closest friends, and they have walked in the last year and a half with me over some very transformative times in writing and in ministry. I have Caroline Colley and I have Christy Wallace with me today. And y'all, I cannot wait for everybody to know you a little bit like I know you, because I think this is going to be an awesome, awesome time. Um, Just to give you a quick blurb on each of them really quickly. And then at the end, we will make sure that the show notes reflect who they are. Christy Wallace lives out in Washington. Mm-hmm. and she has one child. His name is Liam, and I'm going to let her tell a little bit about her story and her family, but Christy is, um, if I could describe one thing about Christy, it would be her heartbeats for discipleship. She seeks to line up her life with investing in others, and how does that actually practically look? I have loved getting to know you, Christy, because of that. It, it has um, really just, I don't know, I think our souls just connect with the spirit inside both of us. But um, she speaks specific, specifically about resilience with the God in the gospel, that the gospel will make us resilient. It'll make us resilient in the hard things. It'll make us be able to stand firm when it feels like life is falling apart or when life is hard. Motherhood is one of those places, but there's lots of places that are like that. And um, right now she is working with the first responders ministry through navigators. And this is a ministry designed for wives. And I mean, for, I mean, you speak to the wives, right? The wives of first responders or spouses Uh of first responders, but um, navigators has a ministry for all first responders. True. Correct. Yes. Correct. And navigators, uh, we will have all this in the show notes, but you can find lots of great resources there. You can find Christy on Instagram at Christy P. Wallace. And then Caroline Colley, is um, another special, I just, y'all, I can't, I'm just grinning over here, but (laughs) I love Caroline. I find her to be, um, she's a delight because I think she's got such a quick wit and yet she is so knowledgeable, Mm -hmm. but she, she takes her knowledge and she slides it inside of this beautiful framework of wit and story so that you're like, oh, and you don't realize that you're getting the knowledge that you're getting when you hang out with Caroline Holly. I'm not kidding. Um, and I love that about her. I love that about you. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's true. She has an amazing story. You have to get to know her. You can find her. She has a weekly newsletter that I really wanted everybody to know about. She has a weekly newsletter where it is a devotional, but it is more than just that. And so she, her heartbeat is to speak to how we communicate with one another and how we communicate with God. Um, So in her weekly newsletter, the goal of it is really to strengthen your relationship with God and then with your people around you, whether it's your family, your um, people you work with, whatever it may be. And I think that newsletter is gold. It is gold. And so people need to get that. And I will have a link. You can find her at carolinecolley.com, right? Mm -hmm. I say that right. Um, But then you also have this 
ebook and it's a free crisis ebook. And really y'all, if you're walking her story, if you go find her, and I know some of it will trickle out today, but if you go find her, she has walked through some really hard seasons in her life, in her life as a mother. And then even just truly in marriage, living in multiple countries and learning to communicate in different and be in different cultures. And she's married to somebody who is from a different culture and that's different. And, um, and she has learned to communicate in ways that for most of us, we need to learn. And her crisis ebook is really centered on how you talk to God and how you talk to others will help you and make all the difference as you're walking through a crisis. So that's free on your website, which is huge. It's a huge thing. So, um, and she has four kids and she'll talk about them. But so that's my introduction to y'all. So Caroline, start us off. How many kids, tell me your kids, tell me their ages and just tell me. Um, At the Collie house, we have Asher, who's 12, a boy. He was born in Scotland. We have Blake, who's 10, who, if you visit my website, you'll see his face pretty quickly. Um, he's, he's kind of been through a lot over the past couple of years. We're grateful he is with us. Um, and then we have Arabella, who's eight. And our littlest is Catriana, who is five. So we've got kind of a fun spread. And my kids were born in three different countries. The boys were both born overseas, one in Scotland, one in South Africa. And then my girls were both born in the same hospital I was born in. (laughs) It came full circle. Um, (laughs) And I think you've you've summed up my heart and what I love to write about really, really well. And I feel really, my heart's beating kind of fast. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) I'm so excited. It's going to be fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And Christy, tell us about you. Yes. So I have an only child. Um, and he, his name is Liam. He's 11 and he's about to go, you guys, we're going into middle school. Like, oh my goodness, put on the seatbelt. It feels mm-hmm. kind of crazy. So, um, yeah, it feels really fun to just be hanging with you ladies today because I am beyond grateful for your friendship. And I look back over these last 18 months, two years, and like, who knew what we were going to walk through and God just orchestrated our paths to cross and, I'm just so grateful for both your voices in my life and the fact that we can come together and have questions and wrestle it out and point out truth for one another, which I think is Mm. so helpful because sometimes I don't know if you guys find this, but sometimes I feel like I can see the truth easier or more easily for other people than for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's true. So you two have just been an absolute gift in my life for that exact reason. So, and I think you did sum me up really well too, Bethany. I know I've been on this crazy wandering journey, trying to figure out exactly what it is that God is calling me to, but I know like without a doubt that it is discipleship and like, how can I come along police wives and families, as well as other moms who are trying to figure out, okay, how is the gospel good news for them and how it can radically change how we live life and navigate decisions and be resilient. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we talked, I talked last week, so I've kind of set the ball in motion for this lie. Um, and I'm going to kind of let y'all share how the lie lives for you. So all through this series, I've tried to recognize that this lot, these lies that I'm talking about, honestly, they're, most of them have been true for me when I, um, poll women, these, have consistently been the top seven lies that women hear um, in some framework and it, but it will look different and unique because we're all different and unique. But mm-hmm. um, I just shared last week that um, my, my lie of um, my life. I don't like the way my life is looking. It's kind of what it was. It was, and I could um, kind of see the idea that um, man, when life was like that, it was better, or I'm missing out. It some of it is colored by who I am personality wise. And I'm always looking for the new, the fun, the great, the, the, the different. Um, but also though, what I began to realize was with that lie, um, my mind was set on me. It was set on what I want and learning to set my heart, my affections on him and anchor myself in his word, then I could see 
everything from a different perspective. But that what and the last thing I just want to say to set this up was that I began to realize that for me, this had to become like a righteous holy war because mm-hmm. my mind was so wired for discontent mm-hmm. um, that it, it became for me, there were seasons of my life where it was like um, minute to minute. I was like, no, stop. Let's set our mind back on who we are in him and what he has called us to in this season. And let's stay right here present in this season. So that's like how this lie kind of looks for me. But I'm wondering from y'all's perspective, have you ever wrestled with this lie in some way? And then what did it look like? Man, yeah. I mean, I feel like we, when I look at your list of seven, I I know I was joking, we were joking on a text thread earlier about, I feel like there's multiple and how you can Mm -hmm. see one lie kind of informs and influences another. It's this whole like web of things that you might be believing that you're not even aware of. And so I love this series that you're talking through because you're encouraging us to pause. And I think the first step in the battle is to become aware of what we're, what we're believing that might not be true. Cause it's really hard to do battle if you're not even aware. Mm -hmm. So when I look at this particular lie, I think the falling behind part is what resonate has been a struggle for me. And especially because we had a long infertility journey. And so I think I felt like I started out motherhood behind. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of a, that's something that will surface every from time to time, just in how God brought Liam to us and what our family looks like and how it was built and it, what it didn't match my timeline or the way that I would have loved to have seen it unfold and just be more natural. You know, you look at some of the other ones, like your motherhood should come natural and come easily. And I was like, Oh man, that was just like, not our story. And so mm-hmm. recognizing that his ways are higher and that he ordains all of our steps and the places where we live and the timing of how all these things unfold has been the thing that I have to constantly remind myself. And even, um, the desire to understand and be able to clearly articulate why something has happened the way it has. Like, I think my, I'm just a very intellectual studious kind of person. And I love to connect the dots and make everything make sense. And there's just so much in motherhood that you can't like make, make sense. And so I feel like the verse in Philippians about the peace that transcends understanding Mm -hmm. has been, that's been an absolute lifeline for me. Like recognizing when am I trying, when am I leaning on my own understanding and trying to make it make sense versus kind of surrendering and living more open-handed with trusting in God's goodness that even when I don't understand it or can't articulate it. So a little different spin on the lie, but I think it's brilliant to be talking to lots of different moms because we all have different stories, just like you said. And the more you can hear other people, other moms talk about and process what they're wrestling with, I think you're, it, it's going to point us back to truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, it's interesting that for you, you feel like there was a start Christy at the beginning of motherhood in a way, mm-hmm. because um, I definitely grew up for me. The biggest part is the fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. And I just hate missing out on fun stuff. I, I have a gregarious personality. I love being around people. I do not like RSVPing no to anything. <laughs> and, um, Me neither. <laughs> you know, right. The stuff, the fun. Like I can remember uh, something my friends got to go to in high school that I didn't get to go to. You know, I mean, that was quite a while ago. And I still, every once in a while, it'll come up in my mind. I wish I'd gotten to go to that. <laughs> like, I remember these things. So fear of missing out is big in my book. And um, Mark and I met, my husband, Mark, and I met in Scotland. And when we met, I was studying at the University of Edinburgh. And um I was transitioning the summer that we got married. I was transitioning from working on a master's. I finished the master's degree. And in the fall, I was supposed to start a PhD, which I was really excited about. Um, And um, we married and then we headed back to, we married in my hometown and then headed back to Scotland. And um, I started working on that PhD and it was not long before I was pregnant. And Mm -hmm. I was about, I think I've got the timeline a little bit off. 
we married after I'd been working on the PhD for a year. So um, when I got pregnant with Asher, I took a six month sabbatical for my PhD. Mm -hmm. And as that sabbatical came to a close and I sensed that it was time to start back, I actually sensed that it was not time to start back and it was time to lay the PhD down, Mm. which was really hard because I was so afraid of what I would be missing out on if Mm. I didn't get to complete it. And I had a scholarship and it felt like the opposite of being like a brave, bold feminist that the culture of the day tells me to be to be the one to say, I want to lay this down because what I really want more is like not to miss this time with this child as a baby, you know, Mm. Um, I don't want to miss this. So I ended up laying down the PhD and just setting it aside. And at the time it was a challenge, but then we started to ask some questions. Mark invited me to make kind of a trial decision about it and say, what would it feel like if you just try that decision on? What does that feel like? And as I kind of tried it on and said, okay, what does it feel like if I decide I'm going to let this go? Um, It just felt like this huge weight lifting off my shoulders. And then as we looked up from that possibility, we realized that both of us hoped to be able to spend at least a few years in his home country, closer to his parents, before we settled down in the States, because we knew that eventually we wanted to raise our kids in the States. Mm-hmm. And so um, setting that down made open the doors to this possibility. And a year later, we moved to South Africa. And we were in wow. South Africa for two years, which was a time that I would just not trade for anything in the world, getting to be in his home country for an extended period to understand him, his background better, to be able to understand enough of that culture to be able to introduce it to my children. All these things became possible because I set something else down. But I think we fail to consider the possibility that things going differently could make something else even better possible because Mm -hmm. we're so focused on the lie that we're missing out on something. We don't recognize that even missing out on something makes something else possible. And that is probably the thing that God intended all along. Yeah. But we're too afraid to see that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It does. Yeah. It's hard though, isn't it? I mean, because I know that when I, even when I talked with Sandra Stanley a couple of table talks ago about this and she kind of same, I mean, she and I talked a lot about, because I really identified as a pediatric physical therapist for the first like four kids that I had, I realized just talking with her, I'm like, you know, that's so true because I would say I was a pediatric physical therapist who had four kids, not like I was choosing my identity. And so then when I laid it down, I felt like, oh, my, what am I doing with my brain and my career and like what's happening? And, but I wanted to lay it down. Like I knew it was the right choice. So it wasn't thrust upon me. It wasn't, that's not it. I did lay it down with joy. However, my identity was still kind of wrapped inside of it. And learning for me, it was this idea that I'm not missing out because I'm actually doing the work he wants me to do in this season. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm doing the right work, but I had to reframe that. It was hard for me. Yeah. Oh man. That really resonates for me too. Cause I feel like I, I have just recently walked away from that. Like I've always been able to kind of work part-time and be a mom and then my background is in occupational therapy. And that's now I find myself kind of stumbling over those words. Like if you meet somebody or like, what do you do? And I'm like, what do I do? I'm a mom, like, yeah. you know, and setting aside that achievement or that career, it, it was easier to fall under that label than, um, and to really embrace the season that God has for me right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She used the story of Nehemiah of being on the wall, building the wall. And Mm -hmm. Nehemiah, they said, come down. He goes, I'm doing a good work. I'm not coming down. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's been one of these things where I'm like, oh, wow. I mean, I'm like kind of halfway through my motherhood Mm -hmm. in terms of my kids being, you know, half grown. I've got some grown, got more ungrown, but still. (laughs) And, And I would have said that, but to have the power of a scripture to anchor into and go, no. Yeah. That was so powerful for me to yeah. go, oh, 
I'm going to go take that word and be like, mm, that's how I'm going to tell you, no, stop messing with me here. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens um, with this? Where does this lie seem to crop up the most? Like, where do you, do you still wrestle with it today? Is it, or is it something you kind of put to bed? Um, interesting thing for me is that I, I definitely had it and learned to lay down my own concerns for missing out to some extent. Like I still do not like RSVPing. No, <laughs> I am more with it than I used to be. Um, but I've realized that as mothers, we probably just transfer the lie to a fear that our kids are missing out mm-hmm. because of us. And it, it freaks us out. Yeah. Um, in, Asher was five when I felt sure that it was time for us to homeschool. And it was kind of a kicking and screaming. I, I was, I was kind of scared and um, afraid that I wouldn't be able to do it. And as I brought him home from preschool and our journey into homeschool began, I saw that all his little buddies were going to mm. still get together and do things yeah. together. And he was not going to see those preschool friends and we were going to be searching out like new community. Mm-hmm. And so there was um, a lot of wrestling in that for me to come to a place where I could say, okay, you know, the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. I just have to trust that, um, God, you've given this kid to me. And there's a reason you've given this kid to me and called me to this thing. So I have to trust that I'm not causing him to miss out on something he isn't supposed to get. I'm bringing him to a place, if that makes sense, where he's going to get what he is supposed to get that is from you. Um, But I have friends who uh, talk to me all the time about their fears of like, I have one friend who financially can provide for her kids really, really well in any way, experiences and opportunities and stuff. But she's afraid that she doesn't have the skills that she needs. Like she's homeschooling her kids and she's like, but what if they really like something and I'm not good at it, then they're Mm going to be missing out on what they're really meant to do. And I'm constantly trying to say to her and to myself, our kids aren't going to miss out on what God has for them. If we are walking with him, he's, he's going to make the way he's going to make a way for them to receive what they are supposed to receive. Yes. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's really good. It's interesting when you talk about transferring the lie, because it, I feel like mine has kind of evolved. Like I've, I'm at peace with my timeline looking different and becoming a mom at an older age. But now it's almost like, you know, you hear the, the lingo FOMO and fear of missing out. But now it's like, for me, it's almost more a fear of better options. I don't know if people have heard if you've heard that term, I heard FOBO and I was like, what's that better options? I'm like, Oh man, I live and swim in that, like that indecision that can come at times because you're like, well, wait, if I pick this, this week, what Mm -hmm. if something better comes along next week Mm -hmm. or there's a better option? And so Mm -hmm. I think that's where I have to recognize, like the battle has kind of shifted a little bit. It's, it's still about control and surrender. Mm -hmm. And when, when, we feel like our life isn't unfolding the way that we thought it would or should, whatever language you would put around that, mm-hmm. but resting in the fact that exactly like Caroline just said, that, that God directs our steps and he has us in this season for a purpose and we can rest in his, his faithfulness and his goodness to mm-hmm. provide and, and, and bring redeem and restore and all of the things that he just does because he's a good God that even when things go unaccording to plan or unfold in a way that we wouldn't have hoped for, that there's still, yeah. yeah, that resilient, we can find that resilience, right. To keep navigating forward and not get paralyzed in the fear of missing out or the fear of better options mm-hmm. where we get stuck in this place of indecision and just lack of intention. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but It's like the question we're really asking, the deeper question that we're really asking when we say, am I missing out or am I causing my kids to miss out? The question we're actually asking is, am I a good enough mom? Am I good enough to do this? And I was onslaughted with that when my second child was born. Um, 
we were struggling with helping him. We, we did sleep training and, um, we had family members come to visit who didn't like the way we were doing sleep training and that, um, she loved that. (laughs) I did not want anybody to not be happy with me at any point in time. I am a peacemaker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It really troubled me deeply in my soul. But at the same time, I had seen that the sleep training worked so well with our first that I was like, I want to keep going with this, with this child too. And I called my mom. I was in South Africa at this point. I called my mom and I was like, I'm just having a really hard time. I feel like I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't know. You know, how you, emotional, hormones, pregnancy, mm-hmm. all, all the things. things. Yeah. All the things. Mm-hmm. So I'm all messed up inside. And she said five words to me that have like changed my motherhood forever. She Hmm. said, you are that baby's mama. Mm -hmm. And it was like this, I I mean, I get goosebumps. Like when I remember the moment, it was this something like washing over me that said, whoa, God gave this child to me. You specifically. Me, to yes. me, you know, and um, that was just such a life giving word for me at that moment to say, I'm empowered in this situation to listen to the Holy Spirit to make decisions for my child because God gave this child to me. You are mm-hmm. that baby's mama. <laughs> it's it's so hard though, isn't it? Because you yeah. and I think that Phobo, I am, I am. <laughs> definitely I struggle is that a thing is it really a thing FOMO it is a thing thing. like I read an article about it and I was like wait I know FOMO but what I'm gonna start using it because like that's what I wrestle with it all because I don't want to miss out but I also if there's something better like I'm always looking for what what's next what are we doing next what's the best next thing and what should we do so um that is powerful but it's interesting that you know when I set up this series, The Lies, um, I took us back in that first one to the garden because the enemy really hasn't changed his tactics. His tactics are the same. And he asks three main questions. The way he asks them may look different, but if we can get really wise and discerning, we can see him and we can hear it. And it, in essence is like, did God really say that? Like, that's one of them, which is, so And then, um, is God really good? And, um, and then is God really for you? And those lies are at the bottom of, of that belief that, um, so the lie of you can mess your kid up, like you can really royally mess this up. What lies at the bottom of that is that God made a mistake by giving you this kid. Like, or he's not for you, or he's not good, or he, he didn't really say it. Like his sovereignty really isn't a thing. And I think it's the same thing here of you being, you are that baby's mama is the understanding that in God's sovereignty, he did this. Mm-hmm. And what the enemy comes at us with is this is a mistake in some way. Like or you're somebody not, else could do it better. Right. Somebody could do it better. It was a mistake that it's you. Like, mm-hmm. And so you secretly harbor that and you wonder and you worry. And so you look around and you're like, well, okay. You know, well, what is everybody else doing? Like if it's sleep training, okay, well, what is everybody else's plans? How, how's everybody else doing it? And I'm not saying there's not anything wrong with getting wise counsel, but at the end of it all, I think the equation that the Lord just layered into me um, with, I mean, I, I distinctly remember where it was because I, I really felt like my first couple, I was like, I, like I had really grown in understanding God's grace. And so my first few were about um, seven and nine. And I was feeling super guilty because um, just the enemy was just eating my lunch that like, you know, they were the grand experiment. And I had clearly this experiment was like exploding. Like I messed it up. And Mm -hmm. And, um, and God going to Bethany, see the perfect equation in my equation is it's you surrendered to me is the best setup for this kid. Now, what this kid does at that point, that's their story, but you surrendered to me is your best equation. And that's what you're supposed to function in. 
And so I love that you are that baby's mom. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. so good. That's so good. Um, so what, when you hear those lies, when they come knocking on your brain, where in the word do you go? I mean, okay. Can I share about like, this is real time, real life. Yeah. This yeah. week. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like there's been different verses for different seasons for mm -hmm. myself, like just personally, but have you guys heard, there's this thing called dwell differently. I don't know if you've heard of it. I saw it on Instagram and it was these temporary tattoos. It's like a scripture memorization aid. Okay. And you get these things in the mail. And so like, I know this is audio, but you guys can see here video. I've got it on my arm and it's, yeah. it's so great because this, the verse for this month is Psalm 116 verse seven. And it says, return to your rest. My soul for the Lord has been good to you. Oh, and God, I my prayer journal this morning. What? Are you really? Are you kidding? I love it. Caroline. Yeah. Like this, this, you guys is so helpful. Like I, one of the things, like when you talk about strategies or when we try to combat the lies and I always feel like the first thing is awareness, right? Like trying mm -hmm. to be aware of what your ditches are or the things yeah. that, oh, I'm going to naturally like veer left or veer right, you know, whatever. And knowing what's going to help right you. And I just love how like God in his goodness knew that I was going to need this verse this month because it kind of sets up a theme of resting and the idea that I can rest because God is good. And if I can remember the ways that he has been faithful and looking back, um, it's been so helpful. And I think that where I'm at right now, like we're trying to make a decision about school and you guys have been in this with me and trying to navigate, are we going to continue with private school? Are we going to do the homeschool route? Are we going to just jump into public school? And it's overwhelming because I can see you look at all of these things and you're, and I, and the FOBO in me, the wanting the best option, right? You're just like, well, if I go this path, then he's going to miss this, but this will be better. And so you can just like work yourself into a frenzy where you are losing sleep and waking up wondering, okay, Lord, what is, what's the answer here? And what I can recognize in myself is when I start going around, like I the beauty of community, like is so necessary, but I think where I, I can recognize an unhealthy habit in myself is where I start seeking out so many people for their input and their wisdom, but I'm choosing to stay stuck. Like, does that make sense? Like mm -hmm. every person I talk to, well, like this person's pro public school and this one's pro homeschool and this one's pro private school. And I can walk away from those conversations feeling like, okay, we can do that. I can do public school. Okay. I can homeschool. Okay. I can do private. Like, and it just, at the end of the day, like the reality is who I really need to hear from is the Lord. And mm. I can run around and try to build consensus and, and, take polls and, and do all this research. But then I look at my arm and this tattoo for the month and just remembering like that his goodness transcends all the circumstances, whether whichever path Liam, we, we end up ultimately deciding for Liam, mm -hmm. his goodness goes before him, behind him, beside him over all of it. And so that has just been such a helpful reminder for me this month. And so now I'm like, man, these temporary tattoos. So like literally put the scripture on your body. Yeah. I <laughs> that. I to go look that up. You feel like the anxiety, like I, the, just the decision weighing in the back of my head, no matter what we're doing. And, and I just yeah. remember we were walking through Costco, checking out and I'm like, what are we going to do about school? What are we going to do? And I look at my arm and I'm just like, oh yeah. Remembering that there is a specific rest for me, for my soul, because God is good. Yeah. And so that's just been a really rooting and grounding experience for me just this week, mm. you know, it's amazing. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Um, I think something that you said that we could like make a poster of with stars and arrows and stuff is that <laughs> it's important for us to like name it or recognize mm. it or realize it. Because I think I, 
have had, I, I read a great book this week, Emily Lex's book, Freely and Lightly. Oh, yes. Um, and it has helped me to recognize some areas where I'm living with insecurity, but not recognizing it and not talking to Jesus about it, not bringing it to him. Mm-hmm. And um, so if I don't name it and I don't bring it to him and I kind of hold it like my own little precious, you know, um, then he can't help me find the truth on the other side of it. Right. And mm-hmm. um, a big example of this one that I'm wrestling through in real time is that um, your your listeners will probably not know, but um, in 2019, our son was in the hospital um, with a brain aneurysm that uh, almost took him. And um, 48 days later, he got to come home. And it is a miracle story, a very long miracle story. But the short of it is he is with us and it is well with our souls. And we are so grateful The one challenge, though, is that he, um, the aneurysm is still there. So that's kind of scary. It could, um, it could re-bleed. That's a possibility. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing that I think troubles me even more that I recognize that I'm like fretting over at night and that I need to name is that he has a visual field neglect, which you guys know means that like from the left side of both of his eyes, he is not seeing the whole picture. So he's literally seeing just half the picture. Like if you had glasses on and somebody put tape on half of the glasses, that's what he's seeing. And um, he's doing well, but it's also hard. And I'm also afraid of the things that he is going to miss out on because of this situation. So like um, simple things like soccer is probably not a really good idea for him right now because visually that is yeah. just a dangerous situation. Baseball, anything basically with balls that could be fun, you know, other than maybe <laughs> tennis and golf is what we're kind of leaning towards, you know, <laughs> ones where <laughs> yeah. it seems much more limited. But um, I'm afraid of what he'll miss out on because of that. And I have to keep, keep bringing it back to the Lord. And when I do, he brings me to different scriptures, but one of them that he brought me to was Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do so much more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church. So um, the reason that that speaks to me in this situation is I forget that God is able to take things that seem broken and somehow make them more right than they were before. Mm-hmm. Kind of like me deciding to set down the PhD and God bringing it back around to make something even more wonderful possible because I set it down. I, I'm trying to practice asking, what does this make possible that we wouldn't yeah. have seen? What is it that we're going to lead Blake toward because we can't lead him the way we would have if we had right. been taking the other path? And in the power of God, he can do incredible things because of Blake's circumstances, not in spite of, but as a part of his plan that he had all along. Mm. Um, but naming it and bringing it to Jesus is not my modus operandi. Mine is to chew and ruminate on these things that I'm worried about and, and stay up at night worrying about them. And what does it mean when he turns 16? Is he going to be able to drive or is he not going to be able to drive? What does this mean? You know, and worrying about yeah. these things that are very far away and that I don't have to worry about and that God already knows. Yeah. Worry, but if I'll name it, like Christy said, and identify it and then bring it to him, then he can say, but look, remember, he kind of almost died and I did save his life. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I was there. I feel like the Lord's saying that to me. Do you guys remember what happened? <laughs> But it is hard. (laughs) It is though. It's so hard when you live inside the present Hmm. and always have that pull back a little bit and look at the activity of God around you that he's been through with you and naming all the ways in the past he's been faithful Yeah. to say, therefore he will be faithful Mm -hmm. because I've already experienced that. It's, it's hard. It's hard. And it requires us it requires us actually being very purposeful in our time with him, mm-hmm. like pursuing God, which yeah. I can yeah. be guilty of like, I don't know. I'm caught up in my head. Kind of like we've all said, I'm caught up in my head with all my 
oh, this is bad. This is terrible. This isn't working right. This is, you know, it's not as good as I'd like it or whatever. And I'm totally missing this conversation because I'm just having a swirl, a swirl, a swirl, like a storm, like a, like a toilet bowl. It's more like a toilet bowl. <laughs> it's not like a cute swirl. It's more like a toilet bowl swirl, uh, <laughs> a swirly. Isn't that when, isn't that when, a, oh, that's what guys yeah. call it when they stick somebody else's head in the toilet. You give them anyway. Okay. That one. Right. Nobody wants a swirly. Nobody wants a swirly. <laughs> yeah. I'm giving it to myself. Yeah. I think you bring up a good point, Bethany, because like when I think about one of the other lies was the whole thing about motherhood should come natural and come easily. And I think when we think about if, if we really buy into that, it it puts us in this passive kind of place or it keeps us from being intentional. And then it keeps it keeps us from being intentional in our walk with the Lord. Yeah. Because it's you think, oh, should that this should just happen naturally. And so and I also feel like there's a certain reality of like, how much have you looked at your own stuff and named it and been able to look at how the gospel is good news for you or for me as a mom. And then to be able to have that lens through which when I'm talking to Liam, understanding the areas that he struggles and to be able to specifically speak truths that will resonate with him based on his wiring and his story. And then it, I just feel like anytime we can kind of understand our own stories and we understand the story of the gospel and how they intersect. Like that's where that meaningful life change happens. And it's not this kind of out there. Oh, that's for somebody else kind of reality. Yeah. 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 That's good. Mm-hmm. 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 It is good because I think then you can talk it, walk it through with your kid. Because if you haven't, I mean, when I've experienced it, then I can turn around and go, yeah, I get it. This is how, this is how it looks for me. It looks a little different because I'm, you know, 47 and you're seven or you're whatever age you are. Mm-hmm. But, um, and so our life experiences are different, but the lies are still always, I mean, this lie isn't common to motherhood. This lie right. is just a lie. Like we right. all hear this lie. So none of these lies, the reality is none of these lies are just for motherhood, unique, to, not common, unique to motherhood. They're, they're the lies that breed insecurity and doubt. And honestly, um, one thing that I think is interesting when I've looked at each one of these, and I'll ask the question here too, um, when, when you've been, how does community play mm. in to fighting this lie? Oh, it's critical. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the biggest ways for me is that the enemy really loves to make us feel like, which is one of the lies, you're the only one that feels that way. Mm-hmm. And so when I hear another person, another mom, a mom that I walk with or a mom that I homeschool with say, you know, she is really struggling because da, 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 da. And it feels like I am da, 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 da. I'm like, oh, me too. Me too. I feel that too, you know, and there's such beauty in being able to recognize because it's almost like once you, somebody else says it and it's brought out into the light, it feels so much smaller, but when you feel like it's just you that's struggling with that, it usually leads you to believe, oh, there's something wrong with me. It's me. And there's something wrong with me. And the truth is it's not. It's something everyone is struggling with. It's something everyone's believing. And it's something that we need to bring into the light and say, everybody's struggling with this. Everybody's struggling with insecurity or everybody's struggling with this. Everybody believes they're not a good enough mom. And it it frees you to say, oh, wow. Okay, so it's okay. Everybody kind of feels like this. Why don't I just keep walking with Jesus and trying to do my best? That's right. Mm-hmm. You know? And it brings you out of isolation, right? Like I think that shame, when you, when you start believing the lies and what it means about you as a person or as a mom, then it pulls you into to isolation. And, and so community is, I just think it's been so critical for me as far as speaking truth. And like I said earlier, I think sometimes I, like I can be sitting with another mom and, and listening to a struggle or a situation, and you can almost see the truth more clearly for them than you can for yourself. And so I need the beauty of that kind of friendship that can hold up the mirror and reflect back to you, like what you're saying or what you're believing. 
and the same thing for our kids then, right? I just mm -hmm. think, yeah, yeah, it's, we need the community. We need the other voices and the other perspectives to help us see truth. Yeah. 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 Because, you know, embarrassed about things that our kids struggle with and we don't want to admit that they struggle with them because we don't want to ask for help because we're embarrassed that it's something that we're struggling with or our kids are struggling with. Yeah. And another mom admits that she had so much struggle with her kid and this one thing, you're like, oh, it's not just me. It's not me that's doing it wrong. <laughs> Thank you so much for saying that with your out loud voice. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know, the enemy, I mean, so look in the garden. I mean, the minute they believe the enemy's lies and they ate it, they're immediately, I mean, shame is right and just right there. Yeah. And when we buy the lie, whatever the lie might be, shame accompanies that and says, and don't let anybody know because yeah. you're an embarrassment or you're a terrible or they won't want to talk to you or they won't want to know you or whatever, however your shame even looks because shame can look different for different people in different places. And yep, but it, it is what it is. And that's what the gospel came to set to set us free from. And that's why, you know, God went and clothed them, yeah. you know, and he didn't, he didn't respond with anything, but sacrifice and clothing. And, you know, in that, that beauty of saying in community and saying, that's where I am and having other women go, I'm there, or I've been there. Like, Today might be a good day for me. Today might be a day that I'm like not believing a lot, but that's designed or that opportunity of walking maybe in a better state of mind that day means that tomorrow I may struggle, but today I can speak truth to you perhaps, or tomorrow I'm going to need you to speak truth to me. It takes those fangs out of the enemy because he's going to couple, he's going to come right behind that lie with, and don't tell anybody. Yeah. Nobody yeah. will like that. You're the only one. I mean, which are all the things we talked about. I just mm -hmm. think it's, it needs to, it needs for us to understand and to value community and to pursue it. Yeah. I think that, I think the pandemic made me understand um, how much we need it, how much we need community and we don't need busyness. It also highlighted the fact that my busyness um, diminished my ability to have good community because I was so busy. And so all of a sudden I was not busy. So I was like, oh, so then all of a sudden you can understand this need for community. But now as we move back into busyness, we need to still hunger for and pursue community. It's yeah, hard. Absolutely. And I think, isn't it so mind blowing when you look back at the pandemic and how everything came to a screeching halt, right? We're not going to church. <laughs> we're not in our small groups. We're not, you know, and I think what one of the things that was really encouraging for me as I reflect back is to realize that like sometimes I think we get a box around what community should look like or needs to look like. And, and you can be super discouraged because, well, I don't have that, or I don't have that mm -hmm. friend that I could go yeah. over to her house and sit on the couch or sit at the table with, you know, and, and I think one of the beautiful things about the pandemic is the ways that God kind of redeemed the internet. <laughs> you know, and like yeah. virtual connection. It just feels like we had to shift to doing so much stuff online. And although I would always much rather be sitting at your kitchen table, Bethany, <laughs> and not clear on the West coast, but like, I'm so thankful that we can, we can even create virtual community. And I think even as simple as like the way we think about community in our, in social media and curating your social media feeds and who you follow and what is it that's speaking into you. Like, we just don't realize all of the different ways that things can influence us. And I think there's ways to even seek out and build community beyond the, in the real life, you know, yeah. podcasts and yeah, blog posts and wonderful news newsletters that come out every week. And at least it gives you content, heartfelt content to be kind of then talking about with your people and yes. that you are crossing paths with in real life. And I think anytime that there's growth and learning where we want to, I don't know, maybe not anytime, but for me, like I get excited to talk about what I'm learning yeah. and then you organically want to share it with somebody else. And so 
I think that's the place where then it kind of can just be this grassroots thing that spreads. Yeah. I love y'all. Y'all are the best. <laughs> oh, this um, means me. Well, someday maybe we'll all live in the same neighborhood. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. We will one day. One day. One That's day. true. That That's is true. true. That's true. <laughs> um, yes, but I love our kitchen table times in real life as well as even on the internet. Mm -hmm. um, so thank y'all. Thank you for sharing a little bit about your hearts. For everybody listening, y'all need to know these women. You need to follow these women. These women have great wisdom and great truth that they offer. So you can find all of it will be in my show notes, but you can find them both on Instagram, Caroline Colley and Christy P. Wallace. You can Caroline on her website, carolinecolley.com. And um, for, I think, is there anything else? No, I appreciate your time here. Ted Table Talk. I think that we've, if nothing else, my prayer for everyone who's listening is that they have seen a little space that they go, I think that one is like me. And it begins to lift that mantle of shame or the mantle that says, you're the only one, don't talk about it. And instead, I pray for anyone listening, you can definitely reach out to me. You can, mm -hmm. find, you can find me on my website. You can find these lovely ladies as well. They will speak and minister to you if they're the ones whose heart you go, it's her heart. That's like what I'm struggling with. I know that they will walk with you there. Absolutely. So, until next time, thank y'all. Thank you so Thanks much for having us. us. Yeah. It was fun. It was really fun. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.